Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. A new day is upon us. Where the decisions we made yesterday affect the landscape of tomorrow. Today, today, we talk about it. Discussion, dialogue, and experience all collide on The Clay Young Show. Thanks, Neil. Welcome back. Doing it again. The Clay Young Show here at Podcast225.com, iTunes, running on weekends on Talk 107.3 here in Baton Rouge and also on the iHeartMedia app. Glad to have you back in the place for another one. We got a good conversation coming up. We're going to be talking, I think, with a lot of political candidates, people who are running for office in the region. Uh, I've been reaching out and uh, we got a couple that are on deck, starting with this one today, Darius Lannis, who sits on the school board here and is running to sit on the city council. He was on before. He was on a few weeks ago. We were talking about an event that was happening here, a community event that was happening in Baton Rouge for the 100 black men of Greater Baton Rouge uh, Gala and it was great. Probably get into that in, in this interview, but he's coming on to talk about his candidacy for the city council. And we'll get into why people in that district should vote for him and his ideas and all of that. And uh, looking forward to the conversation. So how you been? How's your week been? How's your day been? How's your evening been? Your morning been? Whenever you're listening to the show here, hopefully you're moving through this year. Okay. Part of me feels like this is the 14th month of last year. It doesn't feel like there was ever like a break in the monotony of 2021. And here we are in 2022 and it's still going. But hey, at least we're on this side of the ground, right? Because we've suffered some losses over the last few years from the coronavirus and myriad other things going on. But keep your head up. That's my advice to people in my inner inner circle is I keep your head up keep moving don't worry about it just keep moving keep moving keep moving and if it's bad right now eventually it'll get better and if it's good right now and you got the perspective if bad waters hit you'll be able to sustain and that's important that's important look hit you with this quick on social media you can catch me on Facebook just my name at clay young br on Twitter clay underscore young br on IG follow 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 appreciate you for that all right, let's talk with Mr. Darius Lannis. Podcast225.com. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Expecting mothers and fathers? Family Rose Healthy Start Community Action Network wants you to stay healthy as we deal with the reality of COVID-19. Here are five tips to help you and your unborn baby. Keep prenatal visits to ensure good health of you and your baby. If you need help, Family Road Healthy Start has case managers who provide one-on-one support and is enrolling expecting mothers and fathers now. Stay safe by washing your hands before or after any encounter. You, your family, and children should wear masks 
in public. Pregnant moms, stay home if possible. If not, limit all outings and keep any additional family members, such as your children, home. Stay informed by getting all current information on COVID-19 from trusted resources. And finally, stay prepared in the event you may develop symptoms or test positive for the coronavirus. For additional information, visit womans.org. To enroll in Family Road Healthy Start, call 201-8888 and give your baby and family a healthy start. We'll get through this together. This is Podcast225.com and The Clay Young Show. Back with Darius Lannis, who's in the studio again, uh, this time talking about his candidacy for the Metro Council, the Metropolitan Council here in the city of Baton Rouge, currently serves as the District 2 representative on the EBR school board until the... Well, he hopes until the end of March, and right. then we will be passing that off again. What's going on, man? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, what's up, world? How you doing, residents of District 5? It is your East Baton Rouge Parish School Board member for District 2, Darius Landis. And right now, I'm inside of this race fighting for our community because I am the voice that we need. I'm the fighter that we want. Uh, and uh, we're just ready to talk about the issues today. I'll be uh, invoicing you for that commercial you just <laughs> cut here on my podcast. Yes, sir. Well, let's talk about that. So it, this came about at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. well, actually really last November when Correct. Erica Green won the judge's seat Correct. and she was leaving behind a vacant seat on the city council, mm-hmm. parish council, metro council, and you had announced your interest or you had talked about your interest in doing it. So the council then has to appoint someone to fill that position until an election can be called, mm-hmm. and that's going to be in March. This thing was so crazy, though. Yeah. It's so multi-layered. So you had Erica who won yep. and was because because she was becoming a judge, didn't endorse. That's correct. Then you had this fight on the Metro Council over when the election should even be, yes. whether it should be in March mm-hmm. or way in the fall. You get past that. Mm-hmm. And now there's the horse trading over who the appointment is going to go to. That's correct. Two African-American male candidates. Mm-hmm. And this you had... Daryl Hurst, who now was appointed, was was supported by the bulk of the Republican members of the Metro Council. Mm -hmm. You had the support of three of the four African-Americans on the on the city council. And here we are now getting ready to in less a little over a month, do this all over again with the people voicing. That's right. Louisiana. man. (laughs) Well, you know, I thrive in this space uh, where um, where it may seem like it's a bit uh, disheveled. a bit chaotic, but I stand with the people of my district. They trust me. Yeah. You know, I won my very first seat on the EBR school board with over 65% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people were first time uh, voters. It's because they understand where I come from. They understand that I am their voice. They understand that I fight for them every single day. But not only that, I practice a sense of humility to them. You know, just because they see me in these higher places now, they know that I'm still the same neighborhood guy that I was 20 years ago because I'm always around, I'm always involved, and I'm always on the ground trying to uh, keep my ears, uh, you know, and fix to what's happening inside of our community. What do you think kept council members from voting for you? Uh, I, if I had to give my honest opinion, I think that it's what I bring to the table. Meaning? You know, I think for some council members, you know, even when you, you look at the, uh, 
the behind the scenes conversations that were had is, you know, what are your political aspirations if you get on council? You know, they're already looking at, you know, this young guy looks like he could be somebody who could go higher than this. You know what I mean? And uh, what I tell them is, you know, as long as I'm doing the work and making an impact, I don't think about stuff like that. The people are going to be the ones that make those decisions. These seats don't belong to us. They belong to the people. They belong to our residents. They belong to our community. So as long as I have a fight, a fighting a breath in my body, I'm going to continue to fight for our constituency across this district. Why this? Why the council over the school board? Well, what I say is this. Um, there's been an interesting uh, power shift that has happened uh, over the course of the last two years with COVID-19. We saw major shifts in crime, you know, and uh, I saw several of my students perish as a result of this rising crime rate. Mm-hmm. And I had to ask myself, you know, I can make several impacts on the school district. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first got into this thing, I had this list of things that I said I wanted to get done in my first four years. I was able to get those things done in my first two years. Uh, in that small amount of time, in a small which window. Which were? Or what were those things? Uh, one of which was having a real charter uh, charter, uh, charter balance system with, perform- with a performance metrics. Now we have that. We have the strongest uh, charter uh, performance metrics in our entire state. Um, another thing was hiring a new superintendent, uh, coming up with a strategic plan, finally implementing a facilities plan where we understand what our usage rate is inside of our schools. Because what a lot of people don't understand is that we're overspending on dollars that we could be saving and putting back inside of the classroom um, and just uh, fighting on behalf of our students. You know, we did some some really big, phenomenal things, you know, and historical things. You know, when you think about the name change of Robert E. Lee High School, mm-hmm. that's no small feat. You know, right. uh, that was a huge community lift. Uh, not just for our students, not just for our school system, but for our entire city. And uh, I think that you don't get those things done without having uh, the wherewithal, without having the fight, the might, but also just having a mindset that you're doing this work not for yourself, but you're doing it for the people of your community. And I think we've been really good at doing it. You know, you mentioned crime and everybody is going to talk about how bad that is Mm -hmm. right now. And it's it's bad all over, but it's bad here. If you are elected to the city council, how do you contribute to lowering the number of homicides in our in our parish? I think that's an interesting point. I think oftentimes we talk about crime so, so much, and, and it can be uh, sensationalized if you talk about it without mm-hmm. actual action plans. So right. Uh, as of right now, I'm the only candidate in this District 5 race that has a crime prevention plan on day one ready to go. And I don't mind going through it. So number one would be we need gunshot monitors in all high crime neighborhoods to help increase law enforcement response times. Uh, that's one of the issues that we continue to run into is that people are not talking yeah. uh, because they just don't feel safe. Right. But I think when we start putting more preventative measures in place, the shot will, spotters. Oh, yeah. for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Uh, mm-hmm. People will begin to talk. And I just want to go a little bit into the shot spotters uh, 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 gun monitoring system. It could pick up gunshots from as far as from one monitor. It could pick up gunshots from as far as three miles. I think that is going to be uh, detrimental into the work that uh, law enforcement has to do in terms of not only rebuilding that community support, but also being able to serve our communities in a more steadfast way. Uh, Number two, license plate readers with smart camera accessibility for all residents, HOAs, and civic associations. That means that every entry and every exit point, you're going to have uh, license plate readers that give those residents inside of those communities real-time information. So whenever law enforcement does come around and we cutting down those response times, they can directly let them know, listen, this is what came across our cameras. This is what's happening inside of our neighborhoods. Again, that's building that communication and engagement that we have lost over the course of the mm-hmm. last few years due to distrust. But we're going to fight to get those things back. So, you know, and I'll let you go on. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I find so interesting is this debate over like the cameras mm-hmm. and 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 so 
I had a conversation with Councilman Cole and Councilwoman Coleman mm-hmm. about their areas. Mm-hmm. And we talked about cameras there and people were saying, well, it's Big Brother and people don't want there. And here's what I've said to people. When you go into African-American communities, mm-hmm. nobody there says we don't want to see cops. Right. They don't want to have a problem with someone who is disrespecting the badge mm-hmm. by not being a good cop. But they they constantly say we want to we, we don't see y'all enough. Right. So that's a myth. Second. Because people can't speak up because of the retaliation that goes on here, mm. this technology eliminates that factor. That whole thing around Baton Rouge is snitches get stitches. Right. That's a real thing, y'all. If you're listening, you 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 know about all the retaliation murders Absolutely. that we've had in the last year or so. Absolutely. So this technology protects Miss Janie, who's sitting on her front porch, yes. who may have seen this happen. Mm-hmm. And people know she saw it happen, but Miss Janie doesn't have to go and tell the cops what she saw. That camera saw it. Correct. Correct. So you now know. she doesn't get her house shot up because they're trying to get her before she gets to the DA or the police department. Right. Am I wrong? No, no, you, you're absolutely right. But this is the thing. And I think you brought, you know, the way that we we conceptualize terms when you say things like big brother. Well, <laughs> you can eliminate the whole idea of a big brother because the community controls the information absolutely. or the flow of information. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. You know, when you talk about smart camera technology, we're talking about ring doorbells. Mm-hmm. You know, and that way... This information goes directly to your phone mm-hmm. and you can see crime that is happening in real time. Yeah. A person comes on your property and they do something. This is real time information that, they, that these people can have yeah. or these residents can have rather. So whenever something happens, they can respond to it and talk to law enforcement so that we can bring restorative practices and justice back to our community. Yeah, because, I mean, we're down nearly 100 police officers here. This technology actually helps in the effort Correct. to to solve the, the crime and, and one of the other things is and I'm not a, f- a fan of saying lock everybody up because mm-hmm. you can't arrest your way out of this. Correct. However, there are some people on the streets that shouldn't be on the streets. And we know this. Let's just call it like it mm-hmm. is. There's some folks who are hell bent when they get up every day on causing some problems. Yes, sir. And we need to be able to admit that. Yep. And if you can rehabilitate a kid, Mm -hmm. because there should be personal accountability, but if you can rehabilitate a kid before they get to that stage, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. But some people have crossed that line, Darius, and they're like, they ain't going back. I know. And see, that's that's the interesting thing. Like, this is not just preventative. It's restorative in nature because there are other pieces inside of this particular plan that are going to touch on that. Like, all right, number three, protect the block uh, anti-violence neighborhood response teams providing direct support to families and victims of violent crime. So what we have found is when you look at organizations like the BR Street Team Mm -hmm. and what they're doing, it is impactful and is meaningful. I think that we go a step further, though, by saying that we go into these neighborhoods and we start working with people that are on the ground. They know who are committing the crimes. But they are also willing to work with the neighborhood and with those people that are on the verge of committing crimes or at risk of committing crimes, and they are the ones doing the work on the ground. That because they are trusted people inside of those communities. And to this plan, we're talking about working with organizations like the Resistance, who are already on the ground doing the work, with against all odds, who are on the ground already doing work. Uh, you know, and the people that are inside of these organizations not only have they seen the inside of prison walls, mm-hmm. but they also have seen the things that are happening on our streets. So they have a realistic understanding and approach for how we go about tackling those things because. You know, they're on the front lines every day. And I want to be able to work with them inside of our communities. Uh, Number four, increase school-based programming with anti-violence awareness curriculum. 
we don't talk about this enough inside of our schools. And when we do talk about it, we're starting on the tail end when they're in mm -hmm. high school. But that's too late. Too we late. have to have these conversations almost like it is D.A.R.E. You know, when, when the D.A.R.E. program. Now, yep. the difference between D.A.R.E. program and this one is that D.A.R.E. only focuses on drugs. Right. We're talking about anti-violence prevention awareness. Mm -hmm. And that means that we're going to put real-time real measures, real-time practices in place where our students are not just talking about it, not just dialoguing about it, but they're acting this out and they understand how they can help each other rather than how they hurt each other from right. a very early age. And last but certainly not least, uh, the creation of Guns for Jobs program. Uh, I just want to go a little bit deeper yeah, into this, I mean, right? Yeah, what do you mean by that? Because what I found is that when you come to people and you say that we're going to give you cash for jobs, people are less reluctant because... $250 is not going to get you very far if you turn it in a gun. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In fact, that person probably going out and buying an a, a even better gun when you think about it. And I hate to say that, but it's the truth. This it's is the reality the of what we're facing inside of our city. Right. Uh, but guns for jobs is what we're saying is, if you can get us these guns off the streets, we're going to help to get you a job, and we're going to build up our workforce, and we're going to make sure we either put you in like a welding training, mm -hmm. uh, millwright training, but we're going to help you find a job so that way you don't have to worry about looking over your back in the streets. We're trying to take you out of that environment and put you in a better one so you can take care of yourself and take care of your family. So is, is there is there a ticket price tag on some of this stuff? Some of the stuff you talked about, mm -hmm. I know that is already, you know, it, it's it's able to happen. Mm -hmm. But what about the cost for any of this stuff? So the thing about it is this. This is the this is the added luxury to it. Nothing that I'm talking about today should cost us any additional money. It's just about simply prioritizing these neighborhoods. We already are talking about gunshot monitors. In fact, mm -hmm. we already have several of them around the city. We just have to prioritize where we're putting these things at and how do we prioritize it for District 5. When you talk about uh, the license plate readers, this is simply working with HOAs and civic associations so we can dialogue about how this looks inside of their communities, inside of, again, those exit and entry points. And every HOA that I've talked to, talked to inside of District 5 said, yes, we like this, we want this, we want this tomorrow, you know what I mean? But again, it's just about simple prioritization. When you talk to, uh, when you listen to the mayor's office and the, the allotment of money they're getting from the federal government, the Baton Rouge Police Department, the allotment of money they're getting from the federal government and uh, city government, those dollars are already ready. We just have to put this in a, in a, in a sensible way where we prioritize it inside of our neighborhood, inside of our community. It's so interesting that the two main people for this seat really are you and, and Daryl Hurst who mm -hmm. was appointed to the seat. And it's so rare in politics that you find a race where both candidates, nobody has negative things to mm -hmm. say about either one of y'all. Obviously I've known you for a while and right. that, that tenacity and, and focus and everything. And I don't know Daryl as well, but you don't find people that say negative things about, like I said, either one of you. So what's the difference? What's, what's the, what's a, what are some differentiating factors between you and he, mm. as he loads up to answer that right. question. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's a hard answer. I think, you know, I have nothing bad to say about Daryl. In fact, Daryl played football with my brother at Southern University, so I knew Daryl mm. uh, before this race. Um, what I could tell you is this. The difference between me and all the candidates inside of this race is that I have experience, I have a track record, and I have proven that I can get work done and I can move work. Uh, when you look at my body of work, uh, I have First and foremost, I'm on an EBR school board. Mm -hmm. So this is the second largest governmental entity behind city uh, government. We have a $500 million budget. And when you add in the federal money, it's almost $700 million. Oh, yeah. And we're not even talking about the our special That's budget, our, our, our special uh, 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 fund, 
allotment of money and our tax plan money. When yeah. you look at those things and you add them collectively, that's over a billion dollars that I have to oversee with the rest of my board colleagues. Yeah. Um, I have done over $100 million already, over $100 million in new infrastructure inside of District 2. When you look at the rebuilding or the renovation of Glen Oaks High School, uh, Forest Heights Elementary, the uh, merger of uh, Brownsville Elementary, mm-hmm. With White Hills Elementary, there's so much work that's going into this. When you look at the new Helix Aviation Academy Ooh, that, that we just brought on, you know, and we look at uh, the 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 fact that we are finally in a yeah. place where we have dual enrollment, meaning every single kid in East Baton Rouge Parish schools are going to graduate with a diploma in one hand and an associate's degree in the other one. This has been my body of work. Can I ask you about the last thing you just said? Yes, here? sir. I'm trying to understand the pushback mm-hmm. on against it. And again, I, I sincerely want to understand it because I actually do believe this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a mm-hmm. good thing. But the there has been pushback on people who say it's unfair to kids. Mm-hmm. And I want to understand the position. So I, I, obviously you support it because yeah. you, you helped to make this happen. For sure. But do you understand it? I understand it. And I just think that it is... Uh, I think that is is rooted in uh, personal perspective. Okay. The people that are making the argument against it, they're rooting for what is best for their child. When the other argument is what is best for all kids. Yeah. You know, and I understand both arguments, but at the end of the day, what we know is this. The brunt of mistreatment in terms of our school system and in terms of like resources or yeah. lack of resources there thereof that have not gone to uh, students that live in, in low income communities, which yeah. that's a huge amount. If you right. look at the amount of students inside of our school district that receive free and reduced lunch, that literally tells you where your poverty line yeah. is. It's over 70 percent. Those students we have for the longest told them that you could be whatever you want to be. Right. And you can uh, you can you can uh, uh, aspire to go to college. and You can do it. How? Because we set them up for failure right. and we have set them up for failure. So I say all that to say. By giving them a fighting chance to at least get an associate's degree, they are now in the front of the line rather than in the back of the line uh, when they get out of school. Because a lot of these jobs that they're going to be applying for when they get out of school is going to require that they have at least a two-year degree, a two-year mm-hmm. associate's degree. If they want to make a you know a sensible amount of money uh, going, into, uh, going directly into workforce. Uh, but this is the thing that we have to do. In fact, when the uh, U.S. Secretary of Education... Uh, came down he said that this is the model that we need for the rest of our country Mm. literally he said it's about baton rouge so that tells us that the work is rooted in the right place but i saw this a long time ago and this is why the reason why i support it so well you know man it's it's funny because you're right and i'll go back to something you said earlier and it just begs the question how you talked about the fact that with all of the money you got a a over billion dollar monster Mm. here so how is it possible, though, that the money isn't getting to the kids? And I don't say that from a position of criticism. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm trying to understand because I think they are the priority. They mm-hmm. should be at the front of the line Correct. in terms of where the resources go. Mm-hmm. And it often appears that that isn't the case. It's not the case because majority of the conversations don't center around kids or kid-based issues. It's always adult-based issues. Mm-hmm. It's always you know, a factor of money. And I, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand. This is people's livelihood. So Absolutely, you deserve to get paid for the sure. work that you do. I don't count anybody's pile. Right, I'm just, I'm just under. I want to understand. Like for instance, I know in, in West Feliciana, mm-hmm. for for the longest, those kids were working with tablets and MacBooks. Right, right. Kids in the capital city school district ought to be able to have tablets. Mm-hmm. If not MacBooks, there are all kinds of tablets you can give a kid mm-hmm. to be because they're so used to using screens. I agree. 
And it's like, well, is, is, is that like a impossible thing? Does it exist in some schools and maybe I don't know about it? I mean, what about that? See, this is the thing too. In a district of our size, people want everything to be right. Yeah. You're not ever going to get everything right. There's always going to be a sector of our community that we serve that are always going to feel slighted because sure. it's impossible to serve all people at the same time. So, you know, that's what prioritization comes in is, right. you know, that's when you talk about equity, where you 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 supply resources based on needs and not wants. And that's the kind of the situation that we're dealing with right now is that you have a lot of people that want something different. Yeah. But we need something else. Sure. And we need something that's going to benefit, again, all kids and not just some kids. Well, and you know, you've worked closely with the new superintendent. Well, he's not the new superintendent right. anymore. He's been here long <laughs> enough, Dr. Cito Narcisse, and trying to do, make some of these things change. And we know in this area, mm. it's hard to get people to change their couch position. It is. When it's like that, that's where I sit. Yep. I'm not moving. As opposed to saying, well, you know, it's better over here. So how do you do that? Because that's a, that's the toughest job of elected office mm -hmm. is to get people to let go of things that they're used to, even when some of those things are bad for them. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? This is about, I think, intentionality, you know, making people feel appreciated, uh, levels of comfortability that include transparency. Mm -hmm. People have to be able to trust processes. And for some processes, you can't walk too fast because when you do, you miss steps. And when you and when you do, you know, you add an, an increased level of scrutiny to yourself. So I think that one, it is about effective communication It is about uh, inclusiveness. And I think that it is about transparency because all of these things are going to add to the accountability at the end of your plan. And then once you roll your action steps out, I think that people will get with it. They just have to be able to understand it. And some people like to take it in bite-sized pieces rather than taking it all at once. You know, we have billions coming into this region in federal mm -hmm. dollars for drainage and infrastructure, mm -hmm. some technology money that's going to be spent here based upon what the state got. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is going to come through the Metro Council in partnership with our mayor president. Correct. So what's your position on what we're getting ready to do with drainage and infrastructure in East Baton Rouge Parish? I think the people need to say so in it. You know, I don't think it should just be merely politicians in a room, you know, uh, drawing circles on maps, trying to say, well, I want this, I want that, I want that. I think the community needs a true voice in saying what it is they want inside of their areas. Let's take the uh, Move BR uh, tax plan, right? Mm -hmm. And let's look at the uh, Plank Road corridor that is going to you know bring in a significant amount of uh, allotment of money yeah should it just merely be the people who are picking up contracts that should be able to say what those communities need or should the community itself say no this is what we want inside of our area we want this type of eatery we want this type of entertainment we want you know uh this type of venue what does that look like though i mean how does how does that even work i think uh you know a lot of people it works through a series of ways, right? It works through direct communication with people. It works with constituent feedback that you're getting, you know, from your council. It works from the town halls that you're having inside of those areas. And it works from planning groups. I can tell you this, uh, who did an amazing job at doing this uh, when, when, back when she was on council uh, for District 5, and that was Miss Ronnie Edwards. She oh, would man. always go to Glen Oaks Middle School in that, in that gym, and she was set up. I'm telling you something that happened 12 years ago, because as a college Man. student, I was in those meetings, and literally there's uh, you know, video footage of me riding on the big Izu boards as we dialogue about the needs of our community. Mm -hmm. This is where I learned yeah. how to 
uh, you know, how to build solutions for community resolve. She was special, man. She was. It's she people was like her, people yeah. like Charles R. Kelly. I remember sitting oh, inside man. of his. Oh yeah, man. People don't understand. <laughs> the, the like I go way back. I remember sitting on this man's couch, and he told me, "You want to know how to lead? You learn how to lead by watching those that are selfless. Yeah. Those who don't put the work, put themselves before the work. Yeah. And stuff like that still, you know, sense me to this day. And he called. You called two good names right there, man. Yeah, man. Charles like, Kelly. That's what I try to tell people. You know, I didn't just jump into this <laughs> yeah. work. I learned from people who got who did this work before me. Hell, we were at a uh, as as y'all are listening to this now. We were, the day before we recorded this, we were at a ribbon cutting in North Baton Rouge mm. at uh, Monte Cristo Cigar Bar and Bistro. Plug for that place. Go, Go check by it out. Check it out. <laughs> and we we were in there yesterday talking to Bones Addison, yep. another one. You listen. Is Bones Addison. Mm-hmm. By the way, I told Bones he can come. I told him Ulysses can come do the TV show. <laughs> Bones needs to come do the podcast. Right, 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 for sure. <laughs> I can't put Bones on television. For sure. It'll get me run off. But we were talking about that, and it's interesting your working relationship with that because that cluster of city council people, mm-hmm. starting with Kelly and Bones and the late Lori Burgess mm-hmm. and 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 all of that group in the early two thousands started laying groundwork for what Baton Rouge looks like right now. Correct. The reality that we live in in Baton Rouge is only about 20 years old. Yep. With with all of the 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 infrastructure improvements we still got a long way to go yes but hell if you had been here 20 years ago you'd be looking around like what yeah for sure (laughs) and and i think that that was a transformative period in our city's history Mm -hmm. where you saw this development and tech was looking at baton rouge Mm -hmm. and all of these events wanted to come here things that we've been able to Mm do and right now because of covid and a lot of things that's that's dissipated some because people aren't doing as much how do we get that energy back, man, to get that swagger back in terms of saying, let's be that hot again? I think we need real thought energy partners. You know what I mean? That's what I say when I when I say, you know, in three years, I've been able to say that I have literally negotiated and touched over one hundred million dollars in new infrastructure. You know, this is the, the procurement process, everything in three years. I haven't even hit year four yet for mm-hmm. school board. But in three years, we've been able to do that. You know, I think it has, you have to have the wherewithal, you have to be business savvy, but you just have to, it just has to be in you to know what, how you can walk in a room with a, with a group of businessmen and be able to say, listen, this is what we need. These are the action steps for my district. Mm-hmm. Let's get this done. First and foremost, I want it to be understood. District 5 is open for business. And this is what I mean by that. Anyone that has a thought of how we move District 5 forward in terms of bringing revenue, bringing uh, uh, new business, promoting the black businesses that have been there already doing the work, and how we expand new business uh, models such as co-op grocery stores, where the people uh, are the ones that are the shareholders that prop this business up. Why is it so hard to get grocery stores in North Baton Rouge? The the people are there. Mm -hmm. The interest is there. Mm -hmm. People buy groceries, Mm -hmm. so they're going to grocery stores somewhere, Mm -hmm. and I could never understand Mm -hmm. it. They're still a rich culture. There and, and it's like, what's the... I think people look at profitability and what they think to themselves is that how much money can I make based off of things like, the uh, you know, looking at uh, uh, household income. Or the well, people hell, people got to eat. They're buying groceries from somewhere. Correct. Correct. But my thing is this, and I think you're hitting on something. This is the reason why I'm pushing co-op grocery store models or what I call collective community uh, ownership agreements. This is what we create merchant associations and through these merchant associations inside of these neighborhoods, almost it's almost like a if you look at it like a crime prevention district mm. where the neighborhoods 
are the people that pay into this crime prevention district and they get all of these added amenities yeah. based off that. Like the it, big one in Sherwood, which is the largest neighborhood, I think, in the state of Louisiana. It is. Yeah. It is. But in the same sense. So with a merchant association or a co-op uh, community model, our community would be the ones that would be the uh, – the financial backer for such things like eateries. So we're talking about restaurants. We're talking about movie theaters. We're talking about grocery stores. So imagine you being a resident inside of a community. And let's just take Glen Oaks. you got the Glen Oaks uh, Co-op Grocery Store, Glen Oaks Community Grocery. And when you walk in as a resident, you notice that they don't have fresh produce. At the end of the month, as a shareholder, you get to go to the shareholder meeting and voice your opinion saying, listen, there's not fresh produce. This needs to change so that we can drive pro uh, profit for our community. The profits that you get from your co-op grocery store go directly back into the How community. How you pull that off, man? I'd love to be able to go into places that I've gone into and that to ask them why you have these raggedy bananas on the you show. You see what I'm saying? So, wait, but you, know you can't do that now because you don't have a direct communication <laughs> line to off? those people that own those I, places. I'm, I'm all ears on this one. How do you make that happen? I don't think it's hard. Listen. New Orleans is doing it. Arizona has done it. Minnesota has done it. Washington, D.C. Oh, has done, done your it. Research California on this one, has you? done it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All it takes is, again, a visionary, somebody that has the wherewithal to know how we do this. There are more than enough developers that can help this project get off the ground. There's a more than enough funders that would not mind getting behind a project like this. They want to see what it looks like. Mm. And then after they see what it looks like, after you start your first one, guess what you got now? You have the Monticello community grocery store then you got the south baton rouge community grocery store then the scotlandville community grocery store where now the money is directly circulating back inside of those communities somebody's gonna steal your idea i don't come on with it listen if, please steal my idea that's my thing too right like a lot of times people don't like talking about stuff because they want to hold it to them yeah yeah if nobody knows about it how does it change anything that's right I want people to steal my idea because guess what? It's not my idea. I wasn't the first person that came up with co-op grocery store models. What I saw was an opportunity or a lack thereof in mm -hmm. our community where we can actually fix and right-size some things instead of waiting for uh, private-owned companies to come into our neighborhoods when they feel like now the price point is right where we need it to be where we can make some money off of it. Hey, man, if an idea works... I mean, you should go after it. I mean, communities do it all the time. Absolutely. Cities travel to other cities to see what they're doing so they can take it back to where they where they come from. That's correct. How can people learn more about your uh, your campaign? Uh, man, they can follow me on social media. That is Darius uh, C. Lance JD on Facebook. And it is Darius dot Lannis, uh on Instagram and uh, D Lannis 20 on Twitter. Uh, but I'm out and about in the community. This weekend, we will be in the Glen Oaks community on the ground in the St. Pius neighborhood, walking and talking to our residents, letting them know everything about our community. Uh, next Saturday, we're going to be at Lily's Kitchen right in Glen Oaks. That's 5808 Civil Leaf <laughs> Avenue. I just want you to know something, Clay. Notice I'm saying these, <laughs> these, these addresses are by heart. I am a neighborhood guy. I love these places. I always frequent these eateries. I'm paying for 100 breakfasts. For the first 100 people that show uh -huh. up on February 26th to come out and hear my crime prevention plan and my platform for how we're going to move District 5 forward. I don't even, you don't even have to be a resident. Although, you know, we're going to get first priority to residents. But even if you're not a resident, I want you to come out and I want you to hear the plan for yourselves to understand what we're trying to push for our community. Man. All right. There you go. Tell them how to spell your name just in case they don't know if they haven't seen it. Yeah. So. Everybody is my name is always Darius. So I mispronounced saying Darius, but right. yes, it is pronounced Darius. The second D is silent. That's yes. D-A-D-R-I-U-S-L-A-N-U-S. Because I'm looking out for y'all. Because yes. the first time I saw it and I read it, I was like, okay, who got this wrong? They added that's it. Right. And then realized that that's it. Well, notice I didn't mention Miami. 
<clears throat> That's okay. <laughs> not this time. Nah, we'll talk I'm about that after that. the race. Not, not the place. <laughs> after the race, man, we're going to talk about it. Uh, you are also the executive director of the 100 Black Men of Greater Baton Rouge. That's and correct. We didn't, we didn't talk about that. I think the last time we spoke, uh, spoke in terms of any media was before the gala this year. Mm-hmm. And, man, that was a really good night. It was a really good night, man. Uh you put me on a hot seat, but okay, it was for good reason, for good cause. You know, I I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's all right. You know, I, I saw Howard White at the um, at the ribbon cutting mm-hmm. in North Baton Rouge, and he was talking about the, the MC, and he had this idea about you know picking some young man to come up there because I've already been I've already been made aware that I they, that y'all want me to come back next year to do this again. Oh yeah. Because I emceed it, but he talked about having a young man like co MC. Mm-hmm. I like that idea, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. That put these kids cause this it, the young men that were up there that were honored were from what 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 schools were they from? Oh man, they come from we we service the entire nine area capital region. So we get students from East Ascension, mm-hmm. we get students from Livingston, Zachary, you know, you name it. If they're within the five area capital region, we work with all of them. I think some of those like one of the students he goes to Episcopal, you know, and that's a private school. Mm-hmm. But we still work with those students. You know, they still have uh, essential needs that need to be met, and they also, you know, need to be mentored. Also, so we work with students from all over. Y'all gonna get Bedell to come back and do his thing again next? Oh yeah, year, man! Right? Oh my gosh, that was nice. That was <laughs> nice. That was nice. All right, social media handles one more time. Uh, that is Darius C. Lannis JD on Facebook, and that is Darius dot Lannis on Instagram and D Lannis twenty on Twitter. Back to wrap up in just a second. The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting. Okay, is someone shot? Yes, someone is shot. The Crime Stoppers podcast with Clay Young. Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before. Real stories. It was my first love. Real crimes. Real people. Real justice. Crime Stoppers podcast with Clay Young exclusively at podcast225.com. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Without you, this show doesn't happen. So thank you for listening. This is Podcast225.com and The Clay Young Show. Oh, it's good to be back in a rhythm doing these shows again. Darius is uh, all energy, man. A lot of talent there. Actually, I've gotten a chance to know him over the last few years as he's been on the school board. and But I also ran into Daryl Hurst. I mentioned it in the show that I saw him at this ribbon cutting for that place in North Baton Rouge. And it was the first time we were able to have a conversation. And so, man, if you live in District 5, wow. But a lot of good ideas there. I like that uh, grocery store co-op idea. Wouldn't it be great if you could walk in and say, hey, these plums are old. 
or what's wrong with that meat? You know, it's like, that's why you end up having to go to, as they call it, whole paycheck, <laughs> whole foods. Nah, I'm a fan. I, you know, it's, it's good food in there, but yeah, you just having sex in any business when you can walk in kind of like a shareholder and be treated like your opinion really matters. Like the customer is always right. That would work. Hey, yo, if you haven't done it, check out the TV show. It's on YouTube as well. This week's episode features a conversation with Eugene Collins, who runs the local NAACP, talking about the case of Ronald Green. That story has just not stopped evolving since it saw the light of day. Now it involves questions about what the governor did or did not know. The legislature is involved now. They're talking about investigating and putting together a committee. Man. You know, but the one thing I will maintain, and and Eugene and I got into it in the, not got into it as an argued, we talked about it in the, in the session, is that I think that the, the superintendent, Lamar Davis, has caught some flack from people on, on that. And I actually don't think that's, I don't really think that's fair. I think I get that people, their emotions are high when it comes to something like this, where clearly the details that came out initially were inaccurate and that this man was beaten to death. But I, you know, Lamar Davis wasn't there when this happened. He, he got the job, what, about a year and a half after this took place? And I get it. People want him to be more aggressive, but just don't know what happens from that side of it. I, I hope to have a conversation with him sometime over the next few weeks about about that and about you know what his thoughts on it and where where do they go from there so that's going to be good all right thank you for checking us out so check out that show and we also talk with Vanessa LaFleur who's a candidate for the state legislature and it was a really spirited conversation she's she's an intellectual ball of energy And I hope you enjoy that conversation. Check it out, The Clay Young Show, every Friday at 7.30 p.m. on WBRZ Plus and on Saturdays at 2 and 2.30. Those are the replays. It's on WBRZ Plus. You can also watch it on WBRZ.com. Hulu, Roku, search it out, and you can check it out. It goes up on YouTube. Kayla gets it up on YouTube every Monday. You can check it out. And we got something else in mind involving IG. Man. Stretching me way out of my comfort zone on some of that stuff. But it'll be good. It'll be good. Hopefully we can announce it in the next couple of weeks. But thanks again for being on with us. We appreciate Darius for sitting down. I'm sure you're going to be hearing from a number of people running for elected office over the next few years because there are elections here three years in a row and every one of them is consequential. So we look forward to having people here on the podcast and on the TV show. And on this podcast, man, we're, we're getting on to 300 I mean, by the time we get to the summer, we'll we'll be at about 300 episodes. I'm pretty proud of that. Looking forward to seeing what what happens over the next few shows. But we appreciate you listening. Tell friends about us. Like and share, like and share, like and share if you see us on social media. And also, if you get the show on iTunes, go in there and leave us a four-star rating and a positive review. Because what else would you do, right? Catch you next time here on The Clay Young Show.